Ronananian. I almost have a personality today, or not. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. I knew you just had to get that last word in the two of you. They've been very quiet today, folks. That ain't working. That's the way you do it. Money for nothing and your chicks for free. The car doctor. When he had it rebuilt, the rebuilder put two same size or incorrect size studs for the field in the armature terminal post on the generator. So the wires at the generator were reversed. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor at your service. 855-560-9900. Give us a call. The Car Doctor 24-7 toll-free number. And we will... Taking no prisoners, answering questions today, as always. We will be glad to put you up here on radio. If you're listening to this radio show via podcast or uh, a stream or some other method that we're not here, you know, not live on the air, we're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time as we go out across the radio network. But if you're podcasting or some other means, then by all means, uh, you know, give us a call when you're listening or when we're live and uh, we can talk to you. Just because you can't hear us in your market doesn't mean you can't talk to us and ask me a question and uh, get it solved and get you going in the right direction. And by the way, if you are podcasting, please click subscribe. If you have that means by uh, by whatever method you're podcasting, iHeart or iTunes or TuneIn, et cetera, and, uh, you know, click subscribe. It helps us to count our numbers. You know, it is a business at the other end of the day. And uh, we do get to go back and show sponsors that, hey, you know, this radio show has valid meaning. People are listening to it. Yes, Tom? You mean uh, just by calling that number, I could talk to Mr. Personality? That's right, me. Oh, <clears throat> uh, wait, who? Uh, yeah, look on this side of the glass. So, uh, by the way, where's Tony today? Tony had a little problem with the trains. Well, you know, and it's funny. So we we're talking about transportation. This show kind of is about transportation. So, for those of you that not, are not in the New York area, New York City trains can't seem to work lately. Um, I, I'm oh, not lately? sure. Lately, usually. Well, well, the last three four weeks it's been bad. So yesterday afternoon, the train that goes under the Hudson River from New York City Penn Station out to Secaucus. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, right? That's what it was, right? Mm -hmm. There's a train stuck in the tube under the river. Oh, boy. So, which kind of made me wonder how those people get home last night. Uh, You know, it was either either walk out the tunnel or get Sylvester Stallone to help you. I'm not sure which way it would work, but, uh, you know, definitely not a fun time. I mean, I'd be claustrophobic, and I I would have climbed out through an exit hatch, uh, you know, on one side or the other. Right. Um, well, it, what was worse than that was in Penn Station yesterday. Yeah, it was the, it was the uh, yelling fire in a crowded movie house theater. Somebody yelled, "There's a shooter!" And people just screamed out of the place, dropped everything they had, and left. They caught the guy who did it, but it was like, really? Yeah. Well, because you know, you know, I hate to tell you this, but there are some people in the world that are morons. But you know, that's just my really. Opinion. Yeah, I would I, never have guessed yeah, that. It's you know, sometimes they're in the media. I, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Sometimes they report the news. It is what it is. So what can I tell you? Um, speaking of idiots and morons. So I'm working on a, before we get to the calls, I just, I got to tell the story. I've got to get this off my chest because I want somebody to write me a letter or an email and explain this to me. Doing a timing belt this week on a 1996 Mazda Miata, 1.8 liter dual overhead cam engine, dual overhead cam, exhaust cam, 
intake cam, left side, right side. So, and actually, I got that backwards. The intake, the uh, the intake cam is on the right side. The exhaust is on the left side as you're sitting in the car. So you take the timing belt off. You lock the cams up using the tool. You take the cams off. You take the belt off. You do the water pump, um, which is sort of really kind of buried under there. But you're, you know, this is 1996 technology. This is 22 years ago. Um, never mind you're glad that you can still take it apart. You're amazed that you can still get parts for it of a decent quality, which I, I, I was, or time will tell, hopefully. So, you know, you're going to line the cam timing marks up, and I'm reading the procedure twice, all right, because it's been a while since I did a 1.8 dual overhead cam. When was the last time you saw a 96 Miata rolling around in abundance, right? Do you know that... The cam sprocket, well, the intake and the cam sprocket, they've got I for intake on the intake sprocket at the top where the marks line up, and they've got exhaust for the exhaust cam sprocket at the top where the marks line up. But where you actually line the marks up on the engine block, they've got E on the intake sprocket and I on the exhaust sprocket, and they want you to put E to E and I to I, but on the opposite sprocket of what I'm like, you know, this isn't a case of Johnny can't read, Johnny can't write. Like, what, what's the rationale here? Uh, you know, somebody thought long and hard about that. You, well, you know, and somebody got paid a lot of money to do it backwards. And I, I, I looked at it. Th- I had to read it. I read it three times, and I sat there and I said, "Why in God's name would you want to do this opposite? Is that just to see if you're paying attention?" And and the scary part is. And I'll be over with the rant in a minute, folks. The scary part is that it's a bender. This motor is a bender. If you make a mistake, ooh-ooh, okay? First you say it, then you do it. And it's just like, wow, uh, you know. But anyway, that was it. I put it back together. It's done. It's gone. It's, you know, it's finished. But you've, you've, I can't stress enough, and maybe this is the point on top of everything else, I can't stress enough how much, during the course of a mechanic's day, they spend reading. If you're a young person and you want to be a mechanic, start reading. I don't care. Pick up a book, start reading something, you know, get out your, your whatever, your tablet and start reading. Learn to read. Learn to decipher technical information. One of the, you know, one of the most interesting puzzles I see is you look on Facebook, one of the, and it's, you think it's dopey, but in a way, it's teaching you to pay attention to detail. Those word mazes, if you can spot your name in the next 30 seconds, then, you know, $3 million will show up at your doorstep tomorrow. Well, you know, and everybody sits there and they read, they're looking. They're teaching you to use your eyes and your mind, you know, to sort out letters and shapes. And, and you know, it kind of makes sense as, as a technical training exercise for people to deal with technical information. Because if you read that real quick, you go, yeah, E to I, I to, what? I to E, E, exhaust. So I want to take the intake sprocket and line it up on the E for exhaust, and I want to take the exhaust sprocket and line it up on I for intake. Okay, then. Uh, you know. So that was just a little little tidbit from the shop this week. Um, you know, that and, and this is another problem that I hadn't thought of in a while. So in order to remove the front crank bolt, it's a 21-millimeter 20, bolt head 13 16 21 millimeter depends how worn your socket is or how beat up the bolt is trust me i know both ends of that you have to take the crank bolt off which is torqued to 144 foot pounds 
So, yeah, it's it's on there hefty, Tom. So if it was a stick car, not a problem. Put it in gear, put the parking brake on, and pull. Well, this was an automatic. So you need Mazda Special Tool 44T-102B. Oh, I'm sure we've got one of these lying around from a 22-year-old car that, you know, it's the only 1.8 dual overhead cam Miata we're working on at the present time because all these cars have rusted away and they're in the junkyard. How do you get it apart? You know, I saw so many things. I forgot the one method, and I watched it on YouTube, and it was outright scary where they take a breaker bar. I don't recommend trying this for the faint of heart. They put a breaker bar, a big, long breaker bar, and a piece of pipe, and they put it on the ground, okay, and they hit the key. And the engine cranking rotates the crank against the breaker bar, jams it, and cracks the bolt loose. Now, I will admit, we used to do that on Hondas on Accords way back in the day when that lower crank bolt was frozen. And we, we kind of did it a little more scientifically than that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not like I'm a stranger to it. Uh, you know, sometimes in an act of desperation. But holy cow, I, I saw this on the Miata because the fact is most of the Miatas I've ever seen were sticks. So why would you do it that way? Just lock up the trans and the parking brake and, and it's got to make it easier and safer. So, um, But it, it, it's going to be interesting the next 10, 15 years of auto repair to see where it goes. And everybody I talk to is telling me the same thing about how fast it's changing and how much it's changing and how little there is that can be done to it. And it's just a radical change every time somebody goes out and buys a new car in terms of what they're used to. How come my car doesn't have this anymore? My car doesn't have that anymore. I don't know if we're ready for it, but, you know, um, so that's it. Bottom line, I want young people, if you're listening, please read. The more you read, you know what? I would have more. I would be more likely to hire somebody that said, I want to learn how to fix cars. They can read. They understand electronics. They understand computer programming. They they're You've got to be good with your hands. You've got to have some dexterity and you've got to know which end of the screwdriver to hold and which way to point it. But actually working on cars, that's not so important anymore. Attitude and desire will carry the day, uh, you know, and and really make it work. Um, you know, I've come to that conclusion. That's the next generation of mechanics because somebody's got to take over because I'm tired. I want to retire. So not going to happen anytime soon. But anyway, 855-560-9900. We're going to come back and open the garage doors. I'm done. I feel better. I got it out of my system. And uh, I'll be I'll be back right after this. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor at your services. Stay tuned. Welcome back. We're on the the Car Doctor, rolling along. Let's go over and talk to Tim, Flint, Michigan. Tim, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Oh, I, I got a simple problem, but maybe maybe you can figure it out. Okay. Maybe it's so simple I can't figure it out. I don't know. Uh, 07 Impala, remote start. I've had remote start in other cars and picked this car views. And over the winter, long story short, you come home, your heat's on high, your frost's on high, you shut the car off, go in next morning, you hit the remote start to warm it up. You go out to the car to get in, and when you, you the, the fan won't come on until you turn the ignition on. Right. 
so the is that just the way it's made or I think that's the way it's made. I have that ex- I have that exact same scenario in my 08 Silverado. Oh, okay. Okay. It might now is it, is it, it, it just kind of defeats well, you know, I mean, are you just are you just heating up the engine? So when you do get in, now you got heat. But I thought, you know, other cars I had, you got in, the cars warmed up. Is it a, is it a factory remote or is it an aftermarket remote? Yeah. Factory, factory remote. Yeah, because my my '08 Silverado is the exact same way. My '04 Suburban is not. No, I take that back. Oh, okay. In in both cases. Let me think now. In both cases, but there is something there is something that the heater controls are missing as a result of being on remote start. I believe it's that the fan runs but the air doesn't come out. The servos haven't engaged to allow them to go anywhere yet. So right. there there is a there is a limitation. I guess my thought was right. Yeah, I know what you're looking for. You're looking for yeah. being able to set it on the frost so that when you remote start it, it'll clear the glass by the time you're outside already. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's what kind of I thought that kind of purpose of the whole idea was. You know, yeah. the yeah. purpose of yeah, heating nah, the car up. Now nah, it it heats the car up. It's just that it won't apply the heater controls. That's been my experience. If someone out there's got a different one, okay. I'd like to hear it. I'm sure Tim would too. But my experience has been that you have limited heater control operation and function until you put the key in the ignition, turn it to the on position, and so forth. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Um, you know. And I had a thought about wanting to get young people interested. In oh yeah, sure. Yeah. The show and I, I, I'm thinking. You know, we. I work at a local dealership. We get a lot of uh, the skill center kids, the high school kids who are going to school, and maybe if you know, I knew you might already have, but put out a flyer advertisement that way. But, you know, for the young crowd, the 18, 19-year-olds that want to get into it. And I, it was a great show. I I, I don't I kind of forgot how I picked up on it. I think I just looked at the podcast, the car repair, and you're, you popped up, and I started listening and loved it. Thank you. I, so I, you, I, I you know, part yeah. of it is just information of what's out there, you know. I think the kids are are afraid to get involved, and I don't know why. <laughs> and, and you're I think, exactly right. And, I'm a, I, and I think yeah. it starts at an early age. I'll tell you what, one of the neatest things I've, I've been doing of late that really, and look at me, I'm 60 years old and I'm using the word neat. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I, we had, I had a very dear customer and a listener to this radio show for many years, Arlene and Hal. And Hal passed and then Arlene passed. But in the interim, Arlene gave me Hal's Franklin Mint car collection. He had a 12-car car collection. Um, on a wooden pedestal kind of thing that, and you know, I, I loved her for it, and I understand why. And she said, "Do with this as you see fit." Hal would, you know, want you to have it. So I've been, I've been, you know, I, I've kept it. It's, it's been in the closet for a couple of years because I, I didn't have any more room to display anything else, and I didn't need one more thing to display. I've got enough stuff, you know, at this point in the game. And you know, there's some value to it, but I said, what could I really do with this? And what would, how could I honor Hal and, and and his love for cars and and what Hal and Arlene did? They they owned a limousine business. Call me a limo. They were out on Long Island for many years. I've been handing the cars out to the kids. You got to see the look. I just did it again this week. I'm down to three cars. Now I'm down to two. You got to see the look on a ten year old boy's face and the little girls. I give one out to the little girls too. I don't care. 
I, th- I think the, the next wave of mechanics are going to be male and female, and they are now. So, um, you know, it's not going to be a traditional male-dominated field. And you got to see the look on a 10-year-old kid's face when you hand him this box of cars and you explain, this is a 51 Merc, this is a 56 T-Bird, this is, and you know, and it's funny to hear, oh, I like the one with the fins. You know, fins just, you know, fins and chrome bumpers just make the kids stand up and giggle. And it's like when we were kids, right? When the older generation was, we were kids and, you know, what got us hooked on cars? I think that's what's going to drive people to this industry and maybe this radio show is a byproduct of it. Uh, you know, it's I got to get more cars now. I've got to find some more to give away. I'm down to two. But my point is, kids are kids are they're timid. They're they're overwhelmed by the car. And you know, in most of the cases, for the ten cars we've handed out so far to date, I would say most, if not all, the parents, as I've seen them over time, have said, you know. So-and-so took that car, they put it on their bedroom dresser, they put it next to their bed, and I have to read them and talk to them about because each car comes with a little, you know, this is what a 51 Merc is, and this is the significance of it. You know, it's like a little spec sheet. They they read that to them right. at night as a bedtime story. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's kind of, you know, and that's that's what I think kids today need. Listen, I, I, I gained an awful lot of common sense learning how to fix cars and an awful lot of confidence, and I think that's what the next generation needs because I don't see what standing there pushing a bunch of buttons, you know, that's that's not going to do it. Um, no. They need they need to no. do that and yeah, be, be able to fix the car. I Just my two cents. Um, right. I drove my dad nuts because I bought a 250-piece model semi back in the day. Right. And we built that together. That was a fun memory, but I asked, you know, what, what's this part do? What's that do? Right. And uh, that, that, was, that was a neat, neat thing. I don't even think the, that generation is building models. I think the people that are doing models is uh, my age should be, you know. Right. Yeah. Can you, can, you, can, you even, can you even buy models anymore? I haven't seen a, yeah. I haven't yeah, seen a plastic model kit in I can't tell you how long. Um, you know, in fact, they get better, better, and better too. And, and that, you want to stop buying them? You, you, it's like Hot Wheels; they just keep getting better ones. And, yeah. You know, uh, well, I think the, the generation buying them is, is older. Right. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what got me hooked. Got me hooked. And you know, and on that, kind of a flip side. To the, and, you, and you've seen it in your in your shop. Your I detail cars for a living, and you're talking about show the kids the money, and maybe they don't realize it. I, I detail cars uh, uh, for a living. I do quite well. Oh, yeah, and there's a huge living to be made in this business. Tim, I got to go. The clock's going to grab me. I enjoyed the conversation. Call me back, brother. We'll talk again next week. I'm running into the car doctor. We're back right after this. Sorry, Tim. Take good care. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions and solve your problem. More information about this radio show, by the way, cardoctorshow.com, and the usual slew of podcasting available from TuneIn, iHeart, and iTunes Radio. And please click subscribe if you are a podcaster. We appreciate it very much. Let's get over and talk to Marlene from Maine. It almost sounds like a song. Marlene from Maine, 03 Buick Rendezvous. All right, I'll stick to fixing cars. How can I help you today, Marlene? Uh, yeah, that's a good idea, Ron. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, listen, hey, listen. So, now, wait a minute. You know, my my father wanted me to sing, 
And I remember as a little kid, when I used to sing, he'd say, can you sing far, far away? But I didn't know that song, so I had to stick around him. I wasn't sure where, uh, you know. Tony and I consistently ask him to sing solo. Solo, nobody can hear him. You know, it's, uh-huh. yeah, so they love me here. How can I help you, Marlene? Um, I have a 2003 Buick Rendezvous, and at 131,000 miles, the transmission started slipping. Okay. Upon a recommendation from a close friend, I went to, my, I call him a backyard mechanic. Oh, I don't like where he this is going. He works out of his home. Uh-huh. He said, oh, yeah, I can replace the training, no problem. So we dropped the car off, and he had it almost uh, four complete months. And uh, three, five transmissions, three drivetrains later, and I finally got the car back, and then it, uh, the engine blew. Oh boy! I don't. I have almost twenty nine hundred dollars put into this car, right? And I don't know what to do with it now. Um, so let me just get some information. Basically, what he was doing—he's—he's he's a backyard mechanic, and he's putting in uh, salvage yard transmissions. Right. Okay. So you know, I'm sure he's frustrated, and but you know, that's the, that's the risk and the peril he takes of putting in salvage yard stuff. I'm just curious, did he give you an original quote on what it would take to put the trans in the car? Yes. Does it match that $2,900? No, it was 1100 of it, though. Right. Um, because I've got to tell you, three grand to put a trans in one of those? Yeah. That, that's almost retail. That's, that's, yeah, that, that's almost exactly. walking into a trans shop. Uh, you know, I'll say it like this. Here in New Jersey, you'd walk into a trans shop, and it's probably 3500 bucks to put a trans in that car, and that's rebuilt with a year warranty. So, that being said, now we're going to talk about, do we put an engine in this car? Did the did the engine fail, or is it that the check engine light is on and it doesn't run right, or... Oh, no, it, it threw a rod. Okay. You can hear it. It's very distinct. Okay. I've had a couple of people look at it. It's parked in my garage right now. Did you did and, you own, uh, did you own this car since New Marlene? Uh, no, but I'm a second owner. All right. How 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 long have you had it for? How many miles? Uh, since years? 2008. Right, and how many and miles? I've always maintained it. Right. So the question is, you know, to put an engine in that, and I know you're not going to put a salvage yard engine in it. I think you've I think you've learned that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, do you spend? You know, my guess probably four to five grand to put an engine in this car. And, okay, I think and, you just answered my question. Yeah, uh, and and then the problem becomes: what kind of shape is the rest of the car in? You know, the rest it, is fine. It's in very good shape. Okay, now, and I don't mean just it's by been garaged all its life. So, well, what does the underneath look like? You know, you're, you're up in Maine, and you yeah, know, it's uh, it was spray coated. Okay, with an un- some type of undercoating. Right. So. Here's and here's the problem. Let's just let's just chat real quick. I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to rush this. So let's say you find you go down to Bob's garage and Bob's got a great reputation up there in the town in Maine that you live. And he says, you know, hey Marlene, it's five grand to put an engine in this car. So Bob and Marlene says yes after she faints and recovers, and <laughs> you know puts an engine in the car. So the problem is Bob has never driven that car. So. He may hear things and see things after the fact that only a mechanic is going to pick out that you may not really pay attention to, and that's an issue. So anytime you're going to put an engine in a car, it's got to be – it's like marriage, okay? Got to go all the way, baby. All right? (laughs) You got to be in it for the long haul. 
And, you know, somewhere along the way, there's going to be a bump in the road. The window regulator is going to fall out. You know, the the fuel pump is going to die. Uh, you know, the mortgage note's going to come due and we, we, we were out gambling or something. Something's going to happen that disrupts the, the, the flow of things. And, uh, you know, to go and put another five grand into a car that you're three grand into just to try and recover that loss, I, I think regardless of what kind of shape it's in, you're throwing good money after bad. Okay. All right. I think what I would probably do is take the four to $5,000 that you'd have to spend on a decent replacement engine mm-hmm. and go see what kind of a car you can buy for that much money. That's yeah, we've been doing that too. You know, and that's the other. And that's I just, the, you know, I didn't know what to do. I got all this money into it, and it's a very suitable vehicle for our use. Right. And um, you know, I just don't know what to do at this point. Let me but I let me think let, you just answer my question. Well, let me let me ask you let me ask you a question, Marlene. Mm-hmm. So, who's your mechanic? I mean, is this guy your regular mechanic, or you know? Why are you driving, and I'll, I'll say it like this, why are you driving a, a 13-year-old vehicle and you're taking it to a backyard mechanic that it, that it seems like it's the first time you're going to him? Why don't you have a relationship with a mechanic at this point? Uh, I have had, but they've, uh, some of the bigger businesses have tried to do uh, un, unrelated work. They've, they've charged me for things saying, oh, you need this, you need that. Right. Right. So you're actually so looking for a mechanic. I was sort of like in between yeah. mechanic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And perfect. You did a good job on my friend's vehicles. So. Right. Right. <laughs> you don't know what to expect. I thought he knew what he was doing. Well, shame and, on me for not checking him out more. Well, now, and the, and the other side of it, I'm just being devil's advocate. I'm being Uncle Ronnie here. You know, the other the other side of this is, you know, maybe it's not him. You know, it is an 03, so you've got to think every – if he was getting transes out of 03 Buick Rendezvous or that generation of Buick or that generation of GM, they're all 13, 14 years old. They've all got more than a few miles on them. It's right. it's, it's not unusual for him to get a bad trans. I would almost expect that. Uh, you know, where where I think he would have been at fault if he didn't explain this is to say, hey, Marlene, it's $1,100 if I get a good trans the first time out. But if I don't, every time I pull the trans out, it's going to cost you an extra four hundred bucks, because that's that sounds like about what happened. Four times four is sixteen. Sixteen and eleven, twenty-seven. Um, you know, so we. we you know, we, after we, he got the, the transmission in and got it running again, um, he um, told me to go test drive it, and I it didn't run right, so I took it to a new mechanic. And he didn't, when he replaced the transmission, he didn't uh, line up the engine right. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, that's, uh, an, that's, that's why I'm, that's I'm wondering an, yeah. if I should just sell it for parts. That's incompetence. Yeah. Okay. Nah, sell it for and parts. And he went to do um, a tune-up for me. I said, do that while you, you know, you've got it in the shop. And he broke a spark plug, didn't tell me, and left it in there and never finished changing the plugs. Okay. This is just getting worse. This is this yeah. Is, this oh, it, there's more more detail, but I don't want to get into it. <laughs> this is this is like but. a bad first date. Um, I don't think I've ever had a date this bad, but uh, this is like a bad first date. Yeah, Marlene, eh, you know what? Cut, <laughs> cut, cut your losses. It's time to move on, kiddo. 
All right. Okay. Um, so it, should I just sell it for parts? Sell it for parts, donate it to a children's cause, get a tax write-off, something, and, and get value out of it that way. But uh, it's time for you to move on and just figure out what you can afford. Maybe it's time for a, maybe it's time for, to lease a vehicle for a year or two until you get back on your feet financially, if that's an issue. And um, or at the very least, you've got to find the mechanic, somebody you can trust, or move to New right. Jersey, one or the other. Right. So. <laughs> I love Maine. I'm staying here. Thank you. I'm sorry. Listen, are you, are you near L.L. Bean? Uh, no, they're south of me. They're in Freeport. I'm okay. in central Maine. All right. Well, if, see, if you were near L.L. Bean, I'd open a shop next to you, and then I could fix your car, and then uh, oh, I could hey, go shopping at L.L. Bean. No. So. All right, sweetheart. Okay. You, have a good, you have a good rest of the weekend, all right? Okay. Thank you for your advice and your help. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. I'm here for all you right. if you need me. Okay. You take good, good care. Bye-bye. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor, 855-560-9900. And um, let's get over and talk to Paul in Elkton, Maryland, 07F150 and an 08 Prius. Yes, Paul, how can I help, sir? Hey, how's it going there, Ron? Good. What's going on? Doing good, doing good. Uh, listen to your show about the last six months, first time calling in. I got uh, two vehicles. I got an F-150 and a Toyota Prius, both getting ready to roll over uh, 200,000 miles. Cool. Looking right. at what I should be doing maintenance-wise. Well, what have you done to this point? Um, I've done oil changes every 5,000. I've done a lot of various things to my truck. Uh, the Prius hasn't needed as much, but, uh, you know, in terms of brakes, that kind of thing, transmission, right. filter, stuff like that. I did do plugs in the truck. It's got the five four three valve, which I'm sure you know all about. Oh yeah, that's a that's a. Whew. How many did you break, or did you get them all out? Uh, the mechanic, I took it to. They only broke one, yeah, and I had yeah. that done at I think like fifty some thousand because I chased an engine miss. Right. And then um, subsequently with that, all the uh, all the coils too. Right. And, so uh, so going, those it, have been good since then. So it's been one hundred and fifty thousand since they were done. Correct. Yes, and I did. They put in the best. Platinum, auto light, whatever. I think the uh, the they're a single piece plug design versus right. the factory two piece. Right, yeah, that usually was the replacement. Well, and I'm going to tell you just out of sheer maintenance, I'm going to tell you to put plugs in it at two hundred thousand. Okay. It's one hundred fifty thousand later. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you definitely to do plugs. Um, you want to do coils? That's an elective thought. I, you know, that's completely up to you. That doesn't phase mm-hmm. me, or, or you know, either way. That's a that's that's a that's a judgment or a budget call. Obviously, okay. you want to make sure all the driveline fluids are up to date. Uh, brakes, tires, front end. You want to go through, wiggle the front end, look at the drive shafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you want to just look over brake lines, fuel lines, those kind of things. Yeah, I did so, put ball joints in it uh, about fifteen thousand miles ago. Or okay, so. so you know, just start thinking about you know steering linkage, tie rods. You know, it's two hundred thousand miles. It's 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 ten years old. You mm-hmm. know, I'm sure it's been through some tough winters, and you, you want to just you know just be cognizant of it. Two things. Okay. Two two things to talk about. One, I'd like you to you know do a carbon cleaning, all right, okay. or, or think about a carbon cleaning, all right. Um, you know, clearly start off with some in tank fuel cleaner. Uh, okay, and what would you recommend there? Um, the stuff we're liking the most, and I've I've liked a lot of them over the years, and it seems like the formulas are always changing. Um, currently, I think right at the top of the class is Berriman, the Berriman B12 Chem Tool. You can okay. fi- you can find it in an O'Reilly Auto Parts. Uh, you can read more about it at their website. I think it's berryman.com or berrymanproducts.com. Okay. Uh, you know, that's – that's and their their edge, the reason they've got the edge in my mind right now is 
They've got a proprietary formula, their HEST formulation, um, which is something specific to deal with. See, and these guys are smart. They've created something that deals with the changes in gasoline we're dealing with now. And, uh, you know, I like that. I like a company that doesn't just they, – they, they didn't come out with it, you know, 20 years ago when they're riding their laurels. Uh, you okay. Know, they're constantly evolving and updating. So that's, that's number one. Number two, and this is going to sound a little extreme, but, you know, what kind of shape are the shocks in? Have you done shocks? Uh-huh. Um, I did shocks at 105000 or something okay. like that. So, so, you know, if you really enjoy the vehicle, I think about putting mm-hmm. shocks in vehicles, you know, at a certain okay. mileage, and maybe 200000 mm-hmm. is it, um, you know, because it, it sure makes it that much more enjoyable to ride. The, the last thing on my list uh, for that truck is master cylinder. When do you put a okay. ma- when do you put a master two hundred thousand? How many times have you stepped on it, stopped the car? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you know, you start to think about it. You know, maybe you go down to the Motocraft store and, and grab yourself a Motocraft OE master cylinder and go for another hundred thousand miles. Um, okay, I didn't even think be, of that. That's, yeah, that's, just, why I'm, that's why I'm calling you. You know, just something to be aware of. Now the Prius, the Prius, I would just service whatever driveline fluids you got. You'll never put rear okay. brakes on the car. The car will go to the junkyard with the rear brakes. Um, right. Yeah. It's 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 really amazing. Uh, you know, I would I would clearly, um, you know, do you know driveline fluids, trans, whatever. Um, I would do coolant. I would be aware that there's an auxiliary water pump and an auxiliary cooling system. I think in an 08 Prius that you've got to be aware of. There there might be two different levels or types of coolant in that vehicle, okay. depending upon what generation it is. You want to go through that. And other than that... Is that for the, for the hybrid drive? Right, or? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just keep driving the car. Okay. Uh, not much not much to really do to that in comparison to the F-150, to the Ford truck. Okay. All right, sir? And then that Berryman, is that something like once or every tank full? Or? Um, I think they call for it on an interval. I think there's an explanation on the canned. Offhand, I like to use a fuel system cleaner... I'll do it at least twice a year on something this old. I have no problem doing it every oil change. Okay, every oil change. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. All right, sir, so you're on a, re- you're on a regular basis. All righty. Okay. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate you being uh, here, re- sir. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. You take Thank good you very care. Much. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Car Doctor. Let's get over. Let's get right into it. Dave, LaCrosse, Wisconsin, 014 Taurus. How can I help you, Dave? i got about two minutes. About two minutes. I'll make it quick. Um, I started to develop a flickering oil light and gas cap light on my Ford Taurus after I run it about 10 miles to get it warm. Okay. It happens at idle. Okay. If I bump it up a couple hundred RPM, it stops flickering. Okay. I took it to my local dealer where I bought it, and they diagnosed it as a bad instrument panel. I'm having a hard time buying that one. It could be, but the way I would dope it out is if, you know, the gas cap flashing, I've never seen a gas cap light flash on one of those. It comes on solid or it's off. It's one or the other. So is there a problem in the cluster that it's it's triggering the gas cap light and the oil light at the same time, or is the oil light indicating a real problem? that is just somehow transferring to the gas cap light too. So let's let's try it like this. Why can't we do a mechanical oil pressure test at idle? Yeah, that was my thought. Okay. Yeah. You know, we should see 14 to 16 pounds of oil pressure in a warmed-up engine. And if we've got solid oil pressure and a good sender, okay, 
then yeah. at that point, the only place left to go would be to pull the cluster. I don't know if I'd necessarily replace it right away, but I would definitely pull the cluster, send it out to an instrument rebuilder, and have them look at it. They can test it. They can bench test it and see if it's got correct voltages in the correct places. And then if yeah, they have okay. to, repair it. All right? It doesn't okay. necessarily mean it's got to be expensive. It just means somebody's got to test it and go through and check for voltages at various places on the circuit board. So try that, and uh, I'm sure you can find some sources online that can take you where you got to be. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.